The last uh, month or so, we've been looking at the subject of the Holy Spirit, and we've established a number of things. Uh, first of all, Jesus says that it's better for us to actually have the Holy Spirit um, within us than to have Jesus physically beside us. And uh, that's quite an astounding statement, and it reminds us how important the Holy Spirit ought to be to us, that we ought to value him. Secondly, that in the Old Testament, you would see the Holy Spirit dwell among people and come across um, particular people to do a particular work at a particular time. But not so much come to come and dwell among them, but in the New Testament, you see the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling within us at the point of salvation and guaranteeing our final salvation, that when he comes in, he is God's um, brand on us, that this one belongs to me, and that when we die, we're going to go home and to and live with Jesus in heaven. Last week, we talked about the nature of the Holy Spirit in that you can recognize him by these two things. The Holy Spirit will always be the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will always be the spirit of truth. And, you know, that that's who he is, that's his name given in the scriptures, um, that's his characteristic, and, and so from the Holy Spirit you will never get something that is not true, and you will never get something from the Holy Spirit that does not lift up and exalt and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, that is That is his nature. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about um, the Holy Spirit in terms of his power. And the scripture has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit and power. And I want you to see these verses, uh, Luke chapter 24, verses, uh, verse 49 says, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So when Jesus is prophesying that when he leaves, the Holy Spirit's going to come, he identifies one characteristic of the Holy Spirit, and he identifies that as being power. When I leave, I will send you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will bring power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is still before the ascension, but Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, again, Jesus identifies the Holy Spirit and identifies the Holy Spirit with power. Power in this verse, particularly for witness. Luke chapter 4, verse 14, um, you see Jesus in the early days of ministry returns to Galilee. How does he do that? He does that in the power of the Holy Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. And so the, the comment that I want to make first of all today is if Jesus, the Son of God, who himself was God, living here on earth, needed the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do his ministry, how much more do you and I need the Holy Spirit's power in our life to live the Christian life? If Jesus needed it, surely you and I need it. 
there, there should be no debate about that whole subject. Um, the Christian life is not to be lived in our own power, but through his power. Now, before I talk about three aspects of the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to give a word of caution from a story in Acts, chapter um, 8, verses 18 through 24. There's a story of Simon the sorcerer. And he was famous. A, a sorcerer is a magician, someone that was great for doing all kinds of magic acts and all of that kind of stuff. And he had a great following in Samaria. He he would go all over doing all kinds of acts and, and people would follow him and, and you know, he, would, he was just famous in that area. And um, then one day Philip comes from Jerusalem and he comes into Samaria. He begins preaching the gospel and all kinds of people get saved. Simon also gets saved. Simon the sorcerer, he gets saved and comes to Christ. And pretty soon there's enough Christians in Samaria that Peter and James hear about this. Um, and so they, Peter and John, Peter and John come and they come down to Samaria to check it out. And when they get there, they, they discover that here are new Christians and they began to lay hands on these new Christians and pray that they would receive the Holy Spirit. And so as, as they began to pray for that, Simon watches all of this and he's been following Philip around because he, he's just amazed at Philip and what he can do and the miracles and the signs and all the things that are happening and the people being healed. And he's just amazed at it, all of that. And because he's been a magician, that's all the more appealing to him. And so he watches that and then he watches Peter and John lay hands on people and they receive the Holy Spirit and he thinks, man, I want to be able to do that also. And so he goes up to Peter and John. He says, man, I got some money. I got some silver here. I'm going to give it to you. I want you to give me this power. I want to be able to lay hands on people and have the Holy Spirit come upon them at the same time. And Peter said to Simon the sorcerer, you cannot buy the gift of God. You cannot buy the gift of God. And he said, on top of that, your heart is sinful and bitter. And, and so this is not something that we can just you know, give to you in exchange for a gift of silver. And so while I'm preaching on the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to emphasize a couple of things from that story of Simon the Sorcerer. First of all, we have to guard against selfish motives in seeking the power of the Holy Spirit. We want the power of the Holy Spirit only for the glory of God and that, God's, um, that God has a greater witness through our lives, not for ourselves. And, and, you know, Simon, he was just looking at it as one more feather in his own cap. That's what he wanted. Um, when we become more concerned about our own following than about honoring God, that's when we get in trouble with the Holy Spirit. We always want to keep our focus on God in the midst of that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 warns that in the end times, people will be lovers of themselves, having a form of godliness, but denying the power. Simon wanted a power to draw people to himself rather than a power to change himself and a power to draw people to Christ. 
Um, another thing that we learn from Simon the Sorcerer is that you and I can't manipulate God in regard to the Holy Spirit. We can't buy the Holy Spirit. We can't win the Holy Spirit. Um, we can't deserve the Holy Spirit. We can't control the Holy Spirit. Back in another place uh, in John, uh, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit almost as a wind. It goes where it wants to go. You and I can't manipulate or control and, and all of that. It is a gift of grace. The Holy Spirit is given to us because God is good and because God is generous and because God wants to come alongside us. Another thing about the Holy Spirit um, that should be said on the front end is, is Simon kind of thought, his, his mindset was that he just wanted to be great like he had always been before Christ. He had people following him. He was able to do all these magical acts and all of this and that and something else. And it was kind of something that just puffed him up and made him feel great. And a lot of times you and I, in regard to the Holy Spirit, we desire the Holy Spirit kind of in that same sense in which we want the Holy Spirit because we want to be successful. <laughs> and it comes back to being all about us. Rather than see, we want rather than desiring the Holy Spirit because we want um, God to be successful through us and having that kind of a mindset. Um, I, I want to remind you what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And in that passage, he, he's just talked about Christians who don't look very strong. Don't look very miraculous. Don't look very impressive in the eyes of the world. They're being beaten and they're discouraged. And you can go through that passage and he just lays out some Christians who have been under persecution or under this or that and something else. And they, in the eyes of the world, they look real weak. And Paul says, we have the treasure of the gospel in jars of clay. And sometimes we don't look all that successful to the world. But in that, that is when the power of the Holy Spirit demonstrates that it's not us. It's not our power. And sometimes you and I, we're not always going to be a success in the eyes of the world. But that may be exactly the time when the power of the Holy Spirit is most evident and most real in our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Wow. <laughs> Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's an amazing statement that, that Paul makes there. Um, dealing with his own thorn in the flesh that he just wishes, you know, God would just take away from him. And sometimes God miraculously delivers us from different things and there's other things he does. And I, I remember um, a man that got saved in, in here in uh, Wesleyan Church long before I was pastor there. 
and, and uh, his testimony, I got real close to him. His name was Richard Bell, and he was just an amazing guy. But when he got saved, he was, he was a horrible alcoholic and smoker, just pretty much a chain smoker and a horrible alcoholic and had gotten to the point where his family was just about completely done and they were just ready to leave. And um, towards the very end of that, he just felt, he woke up one Sunday morning and said, I'm going to church. And he didn't, he chose to go to here in Wesleyan Church, wasn't even the church that the family typically went to. And, and that morning, I responded to the altar call and got saved. And, and he said the most amazing thing happened to him that instantly his desire for alcohol was completely gone. Never once desired again. But he had to fight his addiction to cigarettes. And for the next 40 years of his life, he always craved one and never had one. But he craved it and wanted it. He never had any more desire for alcohol. After being a, you know, a drunkard, God completely delivered him from that, but didn't deliver him from his addiction and his desire for smoking and all of that. So it's just amazing. Sometimes, you know, God will come in and, and his power will set us free from some things and not set us free from other things. I've been reading, and we referenced it in Sunday school this morning, been reading Hebrews 11 in my devotional reading. And, you know, the first, you know, I think it's 17 verses or whatever it is in Hebrews chapter 11 are all these great people who had victories because of their faith. And then you get down there and others were sawed in two. And others were put in prison. And others went through all kinds of rough times. And they had the same amount of faith that the people in the first part of Hebrews 11 had. Sometimes the power of the Holy Spirit comes when you and I are at our weak points in life. And so I, I don't, and I can't hang up here too much, um, I don't want us to get into that mindset of thinking that the power of the Holy Spirit is one that is going to make life successful for us all the time. No. Sometimes you and I will go through some real dark periods of life, some disappointing times in life, and it is during those times that the power of the Holy Spirit wants to be most real and most evident in our lives, even though we don't look very successful to the world, to those around us. Dr. Larry Hughes, who was a Bible teacher at Oklahoma when I was down there, he said, in the emphasis of the spectacular work of the Holy Spirit, sometimes we divert attention from the central mission of the Holy Spirit, which is to help the believer in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is often a quiet work. It is often not very spectacular. The Holy Spirit wants to help us submit to Jesus, whether he's taking us through heavy times in our life or whether we're up there on the mountain top in our life. Now, three things that I want to say that the Holy Spirit is used, his power is used for in our life. These three are, certainly there is more to it than the three I'm going to mention this morning, but I think these are fairly significant things that the power of the Holy Spirit wants to be used for in our life. The Holy Spirit gave the early church witness 
to people out of their culture. You have the day of Pentecost comes and you have people from all kinds of places come in speaking all kinds of different languages and they're gathered there in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. And when they get there, here you have all the Holy Spirit comes and these Christians who know Hebrew, know Greek, are speaking all these other languages from all these other people and they're telling them about Jesus and what he's done. And so they spoke languages they had never known themselves um, in order to share the good news. The bottom line is this. A spirit-filled Christian becomes a mouthpiece for the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a power that the Holy Spirit wants to give us for us to be able to share the cult, share the gospel where we live and counterculturally. And I, I think even some one of the, one of the things you can do with that text is say that sometimes it takes the Holy Spirit to nudge me out of my comfort zone and to be able to share the share the gospel where I'm not real comfortable. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. People heard the gospel where they wouldn't have been able to hear and understand it before. And sometimes the Holy Spirit comes as power to be able to, to help us witness to people that we know and love, but also to other people who are different than we are. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5 says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul says, even in his preaching, it wasn't he wasn't trying to impress anyone, and Paul was very, very schooled and academic and all of that. And, and you, all you have to do is read some of his writings in Romans and, and some of those places, and, and where it's hard to figure out everything he said. But Paul said in his preaching, he preached not in the power of academia, but in the power of the Spirit. So they didn't rely on human wisdom. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7-8, through 8, uh, Paul writes, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me with suffering for the gospel by the power of God. You stop and think about that. Paul's encouraging this young man, Timothy, and he says the Spirit of God does not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, boldness, um, so that we're not ashamed of the gospel. Quite, you know, quite, quite frankly, most of us are a little timid about the gospel, about sharing it. The Holy Spirit wants to come along beside us and give us more boldness and courage and, and not make us so timid about sharing the gospel. And then, also, he says here, but rather join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Sometimes the greatest opportunities you and I have for witness is when we're going through the deepest, darkest things in life. 
And that's when we need the power of God to come alongside us and really help us. One of the amazing things that is happening in the world today, and I just want to reference this kind of off the subject, but Muslims are being led to Christ by thousands, by the thousands. And God is especially leading them through dreams because Muslims are big believers in dreams. And so it's kind of interesting, but when you go back and track Muslims who are coming to Christ, you will find that it is they have been witnessed to by a Christian. But that never seems to impact them. It doesn't go very far in them coming to Christ or making a decision for Christ or anything else. And then they will go home and they'll go to bed and they'll have this dream. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit gives them a dream and it connects with the testimony and the witness the Christian has already given to them. And then they come back and say, I need this Jesus you've been talking to me. I saw him last night. And it's happening throughout the Muslim world, all over by the thousands of people. And, and friends, that's, that's not something the Christian can do. <laughs> that's, again, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say, first of all, the, the power of the Holy Spirit is given so that you and I are more effective in witness. Secondly, the Holy Spirit comes so that we can impact the culture around us. There is a power for social action around us. Um, Luke chapter 5, verse 17, And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Luke chapter 9, When Jesus called the twelve together, He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. John chapter 14, verse 12, Verily, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in Me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. Now, when you look at that, you see healings and miracles and signs um, and and Jesus calling the, the disciples together to give them power to continue to do the works that he had been doing. And Jesus says, who, he, who believes in me will do these works and will do even greater works than these. And it seems to me that in regard to um, God... Uh, in regard to signs and miracles and wonders, um, the, you know, Christianity, there's a broad sweep of, of different beliefs in regard to what God wants to do and is doing in the world today. There are people who believe that those are limited and only uh, were for the time of the apostles. Um, I don't believe that. Um, and I certainly believe that God is doing signs and miracles and wonders in many parts of the world today in mass numbers. Um, there are also occasional pockets here in the United States. Um, and I think that our faith ought to be available to God um, to believe um, that He, God can do anything He wants at any time He wants, at any place He wants. Um, And I think there are times when you and I ought to ask God uh, for miraculous intervention and we ought to pray for healing and all those kind of things. But where God is not moving by miraculous intervention, it doesn't take us off the hook. Where God is not doing signs and miracles and wonders, that doesn't mean that you and I can just fold our hands and say, well, God didn't do it, so I can just sit still. 
No, we have to be still engaged in our culture and we have to be meeting needs and we have to care about the humanity around us and, and do whatever we can to make a difference in our culture. Um, Bob Black, another professor from college, said the Holy Spirit had much more to do with ethics than ecstasy for Wesley. Holiness was for him God's equipping of man for use in, in a needy world. A love for God and your neighbor translates into social action, doing something in our world. And that really is our historical tradition. Wesley changed the world of his day. For the most part, Wesley is today a pretty lazy group. <laughs> I'm a pretty lazy Wesleyan. If I went back and compared to Wesley, he probably would just kick me out. <laughs> I wouldn't cut the bill for him. Um, you, you stop and think about Wesley, what he accomplished and what the Methodists of his day accomplished in bringing the gospel to bear on the culture in which he lived. They ministered to orphans, completely changed the culture of England in regard to the massive amount of orphans in the country. They changed education laws throughout the whole, um, whole nation. They changed labor laws so that children couldn't be put to work as early as six years old like they had been uh, when Wesley first started. Um, they, Wesley was very involved in medicine, developed several clinics throughout England, and actually, you know, this is mind-boggling to me, but he actually wrote a couple of books about the practice of medicine and how to take care of, of the body. Um, he was very much on the forefront of the fight against slavery and abolition in his day. He addressed um, drunkenness and all kinds of other things and, and chain, prison reform. Just did all kinds of things in the culture of the day and, and literally saved England because uh, it was on the brink of just self-collapse. Uh, and he made a difference in that nature. Wesley believed, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, that he had a divine power to demolish spiritual strongholds. And friends, I don't know how we can look at our world today and not believe there are spiritual strongholds at work. I don't know how we can look at our world today and not believe there are spiritual strongholds at work here in the United States. And we have to take a stand. We have to be engaged in our culture. We have to make a difference. And the power of the Holy Spirit can come and he can help us do that with wisdom and with grace and with compassion and with power. We can make difference by connecting with other ministries like Bakken Oil Rush Ministries, World Hope International, Compassion International, and the list goes on. But you and I need to be involved with the needs that are presented right in front of us with the people that we come into contact with. And there's needs that, that we need to just ask God, help me to see the needs around me and help me to know which ones you want me to tackle, which ones you want me to help with. The third point I want to make this morning is that the Holy Spirit is power to make us more like Christ. Listen to this prayer by Paul. Ephesians chapter 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. 
And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we would ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. David Siemens, who uh, was United Methodist Consular, um, wrote, So we must stress that the power of the Holy Spirit is primarily for Christ-likeness. Power to be like Jesus. His power reproduces his nature, his disposition, and the characteristics of Jesus in us. You see that in the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, where Paul lists out those nine fruits of the Spirit. You look at those, and that is a picture of Jesus. There is power of the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus. As we come to the end um, today, just looking at the subject of power, and there's so much more that could be said about the power of the Holy Spirit. But I just want to um, close this by asking this question. Do you need more of the power of the Holy Spirit for witness, for social engagement, social action, for making a difference in our culture and in society? And you need more power to become more like Christ. That's stuff that you cannot do in your own strength and in your own power. You need the Holy Spirit to fill you and help you in that area.